Hello cult hackers, I'm Celine, a media graduate and cult enthusiast question mark. Ooh, that's I don't like one. them. I don't like them. I like to poke them and prod you're them. You're not enthusiastic about them, but you're enthusiastic mm. to talk about them. Okay, well, um, yeah, great. I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist, um, interested in cults, was in one. Um, so I too... Enthusiastically out. <laughs> enthusiastically out now. Um, yeah, so welcome to the podcast at Cult Hackers. We are trying to get under the skin of cults and really work out how they work, how people behave within cults, but really importantly as well, how how we can make our way out of them and make sense of the world afterwards. So all of that. Um, and today we're going to talk about the end of the world, Celine. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they think about cults, it's the end of the world that is the thing yeah. that people consider or like see as a key point like as people that don't sit around and you know happen to know the bite model because most mm. people don't um it's you know uh a key marker i suppose for like pop culture yeah and i think it's surprising how many of these cults although i don't think it's the defining thing about them but it is quite interesting how many of these cults have some sort of end time um element to them so yeah we're going to talk about that I don't, you but, don't need it to be a cult but it certainly is a a regular part of the recipe it absolutely is but before we do that i've got a couple of things i just wanted to raise celine is that okay yes you did say that and i immediately just yeeted that from memory and was just like let's get on <laughs> so yeah go back to doing what Good. we said okay we do, the yeah updates. so i just wanted to to mention first of all um john elson so um john is a friend of the podcast he's the artist one who of did the our favorites original. of um, the, the uh, guests people love love his episode don't they that's right. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, but he's also the artist who did the original artwork for us. So uh, he's a good friend of mine. And John had a bit of a, a nasty surprise when he went for a routine optician appointment. And it turned out he had a couple of serious issues that they got him into hospital within hours. So mm. that must have been quite frightening, especially as he relies on his sight. He's a caricaturist, a cartoonist. You know, that's what mm -hmm. he does to make a living. So um, anyway, good news is he's on the mend. So just want to say hi, John, if you're listening, which I hope you are. Um, mm -hmm. Great to see you looking so well. I went to see him last week. So that's uh, John. Um, I just also wanted to mention about the reflections podcast so i've started to do a short podcast sort of half an hour on a saturday sunday sometimes a monday but an extra little podcast for patrons so if you're interested in that then uh, sign up to be a patron there's only one tier um certainly at the moment of recording and i don't intend to change that but as of 22nd of november 2022 there is only one tier and it's just a pound or a dollar fifty whichever currency you're in um and for that you'll get access to that um extra podcast and this week i was talking about the elizabeth holmes and the theranos uh case she's just been tried um so we oh, talked to yeah about that. we i don't know what um streaming site that's on the um the like dramatization of that but apparently it's really good um well, the and good news for you, really Celine, well. is I've bought the doc. It's a documentary, actually. Uh, um, I bought the documentary. There was, there was, on but there Amazon. was a dramatization as well. Was there? Oh, yeah, okay. with the woman that's done many things, but she was in Mamma Mia. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's in it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Cool. Well, um, I'll look out for that. I didn't know. Isn't that. it? It's the medical one, right? The one where she says mm, she yeah, says that testing. she's come up with yeah the blood testing one. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you want to know a bit more about that, then um that's that's the content or part of the content of reflections this week. And the other thing that I wanted to mention is today, because it's been I've just been enjoying myself today. Um I've been editing an episode that I did with Riley months ago about the KLF, uh, which is a, a British band um that that will be coming out shortly. But again, we'll release that to the patrons first. But um look out for that. It's uh it, it's great fun. Mm -hmm. And um yeah. I, I'll say no more about that and just um yeah keep your eye open for that. Should okay. I 
say as well because the ref- the people that listen to reflections are the patrons already know. Oh, that's um, right. You've got big news. Yeah, I went to Paris and got engaged. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you should have said that first. That that's most fine. Just to throw it in. Just throw it in. It's just you know casual <laughs> life update. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, went on a little holiday. Got engaged. So yeah. Thomas of physics fame from previous That's episodes right. of Quantum Woo. <laughs> science man. And mm. Our own science man. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So congratulations to Celine. That's very, very exciting news. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're glad that we don't need to hide it from you anymore because we knew about yeah. it and couldn't say anything. <laughs> no, it's hard, isn't it? But yeah. Oh, well, I didn't think it was happening then. So it was a nice surprise. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's great. Um, the meat. But let's get on to the end of the world um, mm. and talk it about that. So there's a few things to um, to discuss. It's a big subject. Where do we start? Well, um, as as we like to... I don't know why we, this is our favourite joke. We planned the podcast. Um, we discussed earlier. Uh, let's, let's talk about you um, and what you used to think about the end of the world. Um, and then we'll talk about... I'm not going to give you a play-by-play. You just listen to it. We're going to start okay. with Dad. So let's start with that then. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, it seems sensible, doesn't it, to start with... Start from the, the start. Start with the, what you know. Yeah, the belief that I had for many, many years, really. Um, and it became less tenable as time went on. But um, I was going to was... say, it must have changed, because you couldn't <laughs> even... In your 30 years in, you couldn't have believed it the whole time. Well, you definitely didn't, because you slowly... <laughs> left <laughs> um but you know yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll but get into it, it. it was it, it was a key part of my um my belief system let's say so i'm gonna talk about um when when i was a jehovah's witness obviously those listeners that listen to us regularly will know that that is my background um i was a jehovah's witness and i left when i was about 30 um so when i was growing up we really believed that the end of the system of things so when jehovah's witnesses talk about the end they're not really talking about the end of the earth so that's not a a kind of destruction of the planet but a destruction of what they would describe as the wicked system of things so that's the it's just a way of phrasing it to not think about the reality of it but yeah the the people that don't believe what you believe shall die it, it is that pretty much. I mean, it's also the systems of rulerships and governments and um, all the other religions, because they're all false religion. Um, mm. All the churches and all the synagogues and the mosques, they're going to go. Um, everything's going to be destroyed. And yeah, now Jehovah's Witnesses are a bit mealy mouthed, if I can be so bold, when you ask them about um, this, because they don't like to say, you know, they don't like to admit that if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you're going to die at Armageddon. But I, I can be. It's not absolute, exactly an easy selling point. It's not. It? And it's not nice to have to admit. It's not that, all Christian but, love, but. You know. <laughs> but that is the reality, I'm afraid. Mm. That is that. And that's necessary. If you think about the witnessing work, the knocking on doors and the cart stuff and the informal witnessing, if you think of that as life saving work, then this means that it has to be the way that people respond to that Jehovah's Witness or to the message is what determines whether they're going to be saved or destroyed at Armageddon. So this idea that Jehovah's going to read hearts, which is often what they say, we can't know that Jehovah is the one that knows. Well, that's really fooling yourself or lying to yourself as far as I'm concerned or lying to the people that you're talking to. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the world is going to end, and for all intents and purposes, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you're going to die at Armageddon. So I'm I'm really passionate about that, because I've had a conversation recently where, it, it again, this sort of denial comes back. Um, the message is very clear. They're perhaps not as brazen about it as they used to be because it used to be on the front of magazines from time to time mm. but now it it's it's a bit later that you get to know about that stuff but yeah. it, it is a necessary thing that the earth is going to be destroyed or the sorry well, the people on the earth mm-hmm. are going to be destroyed to make way for this paradise it might not be on a sandwich board like the world is ending but it is 
it is there yeah. if you just, you know, read the literature. So my belief was that um, the that the end was going to come before the generation that saw 1914 died. So straight away, that's a bit complicated. What this means is that people who saw 1914, some of those would still be alive when Armageddon came because they they it would happen within that generation. Um, and this was based upon a, a scripture that I'll, I'll talk to you later about. But that's basically what we were taught. Now, as time moved on, it became more and more difficult to hold that line. You know, in the 70s, it meant that people in you know in their 60s or 70s um uh, but then you as you got through time a bit more you know it started to become more and more difficult to sort of hold that line plus in the early days it was well you know they'd have to be of an age to remember it so it, it wasn't good enough that there would yeah, be some babies yeah. yeah yeah so 14 15 16 maybe but then gradually that got pushed back to if you were just born and then, you know, it started to become ridiculous. Um, and that was around the time that I started to really started to address my doubts. It was one of the one of the factors. And I think it's an easy one to be able to say, look, you know, this is a this is a prediction um, you are making based on what you consider to be Bible prophecy. Um, and it's not happened. How do you explain that? Um, but before we get into that, I want to just, I want, Celine, now I want to try and explain to you how they ca- came up with this date of 1914. Now, it's a bit complicated. <laughs> so are you ready? Strapped in. <laughs> Buckle up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Ready okay. and raring to go. Okay, so this is all based around... I suppose, first of all, a concept that was around during the 17 and 1800s. Um, what can we call them? Thinkers, Bible thinkers, like people like Miller, um, Nelson Barber, George Storrs, and Charles Taze Russell. These were all people who decided that you could read the Bible in a certain way, and not just that it was an account of what, God was sort of intervening or how God was intervening, but it was also part of his plan. In fact, one of the early Bible students book is called the divine plan of the ages. But this was a very common idea that as soon as Adam had sinned, that as soon as that happened, that God had set up a plan which involved various things happening over a sort of 6,000 year period when by which time the end would come. So it was all about this kind of plan. Um, and there was, they realized, or they realized, they believed there was a way to, to read the Bible and incidentally measure the Great Pyramid of Giza, which <laughs> we won't get into that now, um, interesting as it is. But they thought you could read the Bible and find in it prophecies which related to all of this stuff. And, and the prophecy they picked out for some reason, um, which kind of escapes me, but the, the prophecy they pick out is a prophecy in the book of Daniel. Now, the book of Daniel itself is quite an interesting book because um, scholars say it was written um, sometime in the 6th century, whereas Jehovah's Witnesses and Bible fundamentalists think it was written in the 2nd century BCE. So there's a big discrepancy there. Anyway, this is supposed to be a book written by Daniel, um, who was taken into exile in Babylon. And he ended up becoming a big noise in Babylon and one of the closest advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king at the time. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has a weird dream. He has a dream about a big tree, so big that it was... It could be visible to all the inhabitants of the earth. Um, This tree gets chopped down in his dream and bands of copper and iron are wrapped around it to stop it from growing. And then there's a voice that says, let its heart be changed from that of a man to a beast and let seven times pass over it. So, that's the dream, and Nebuchadnezzar wants Daniel to tell him what the dream means. Already, I'm just like, 
how are we what is going on do you know what i mean so this, yeah so this is a this is a dream um so if you believe the account then what we're hearing is about a dream of a babylonian king um about a big tree that's chopped down and it has the heart of a man that's changed to the heart of a beast so daniel now attempts to explain the dream to him daniel tells him that the tree represents him so he is the tree which kind of makes sense if you think about um, babylon would would have been um the one of the if not the biggest uh, empires around and when they talk about the whole inhabited earth don't forget they hadn't been that far at that point really so we're talking about the middle east and you know the sort of near east and so on um anyway he was the tree and the prophecy according to daniel is saying that because of his pride he's going to get brought down a peg or two by god so his heart of a man is going to be replaced by the heart of a beast and this means that he's going to go mad and he's going to eat grass like an animal he's basically going to lose his mind and he's going to be treated like an animal for seven times or seven years um we think at the end of that seven times he then um suddenly miraculously gets better and carries on ruling so that's the prophecy and according to the bible i think it's something like a year later he's he's looking at his kingdom saying what a great guy i am at that point god does this to him so this is the prophecy that daniel had told him based on his dream and it came true the end (laughs) so that's the story daniel doesn't say anything about it applying to anything else it's just a story about a king who has a dream about a tree which is supposed to be about him and that's it but for some reason these so-called students of the bible in the 1800s believed that this must have meant something else and this became jehovah's witness theology doctrine that actually this was important that this pointed to the end of the system of things so so this this dream the important thing we need to remember about is this seven times and so this seven times how long are these seven times that's the question there's a there's a date that jehovah's witnesses have which is 607 which is when Jerusalem is supposed to have been destroyed. Um, Now, there are no scholars in the world who think this happened in 607. Um, the, The scholars say that it happened in 587 based on Babylon's own records. They were actually very studious about keeping records. Um, Anyway, Jehovah's Witnesses won't accept that. So they think it was in 607 that Jerusalem got destroyed. And so the time from which Jerusalem gets destroyed to God's kingdom being back on the earth. So if you think about the idea is that man, essentially the earth loses its rulership by God in 607 when Jerusalem is destroyed, because that was that was God's rulership on earth at the time. And the rest- restoration of God's um, kingdom, of Jesus' kingdom, is, is going to happen when jesus comes in kingdom power along with armageddon and all of that so that's what we're looking for um that's going to be seven times so the question is how long are seven times so what what we do then is we go to a different book entirely in the bible called revelation most people have heard of revelation and in revelation it talks about a woman a heavenly woman fleeing from a serpent going into the wilderness for 1260 days Uh, there's another verse in that chapter that describes what seems to be the same thing the same period of times uh, of time as time times and half a time that's believed to be three and a half times so one time times which is apparently two times although we don't know that for sure but that's what everybody thinks and a half time so that's three and a half times so if 1260 is equal to three and a half times therefore 
seven times is twice that, so that's 2,520 days. So we've got this idea of 2,520 days. What the organization then says, what Jehovah's Witnesses then say, is that you need to then apply a Bible rule, which is a day for a year. So you then have to go to Numbers, which is right back in the beginning of the Bible, that talks about a day for a year to do with something unrelated, and Ezekiel, which talks about a day for a year. And then you apply this day for a year principle to these 2,520 days, which means that the time between the destruction of Jerusalem and the restoration of the kingdom of God is 2,520 years. So if you count from 607, 2,520 years, guess what year you get to? 1914. 1914, excellent. Mm. Interestingly, the Bible students kept saying that it happened in 606. Um, so they couldn't even get that right. Uh, and they got that date wrong because they forgot there was a, there wasn't a year zero, um, because obviously time um, BC is it goes backwards if you like, and then it goes forwards after um, in, in AD or CE. So they even got that wrong. But so the, the belief now is that six oh seven was the time when Jerusalem fell, and then um, two thousand five hundred twenty years later, you get to nineteen fourteen. So that was what we were told. That was the way we calculated that the end was going to come. So Jesus came to kingdom power in 1914. That marked the time when Jesus took his throne in heaven um, through Satan and the demons to the vicinity of the earth. Remember that? <laughs> the vicinity of the earth. And then... Um, then we're, we're on kind of countdown. It's Then we take the scripture in Luke, which is when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about the end of the Jewish system of things. And they say to him, tell us, when will these things be? And he says, likewise, also you, when you see these things happen, because he talks about things like earthquakes and wars and all the sorts of things that have happened throughout history but he says that know that the kingdom of god is near truly i say to you that this generation will by no means pass away until all these happen all these things happen so again jehovah's witnesses take that scripture in math sorry in luke which is one of the gospels and say look this applies to this situation where as soon as christ comes to kingdom rule in 1914 the generation that saw 1914 would not pass away until the end would come <sighs> and breathe is that is that everything is that all of it is there more no well that's that's pretty much it do you want more <laughs> no god no it just oh dear so what are the problems with that what are the problems with this calculation well one of the problems is, I'll tell it's you, Celine. all pulled from random places for random reasons. Absolutely, yeah. So that's what, one what of the... I have to presume is yeah. someone decided 1914 for reasons and then they have backtracked is the only way I can imagine you getting that. I can't... Why would you pick this thing to that thing to this... To, you know what I mean? It feels, mm. it feels round peg square hole. Do you know what I mean? Or square why why that particular hole. dream? You know, the Bible's yeah. full of dreams. Um, why is that the dream that tells us um, mm. about the, the period between the Jerusalem's destruction and the coming of, of Jesus Christ? You know, why, why that particular one? Why apply it that way? You know, it's just completely arbitrary. And what's interesting is Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you that, you know, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses always said that um, something was going to happen in 1914. It was uh, it was always a marked year. And that was really impressive to me when I was growing up. But if you go to JW Facts, and it's a great website. I think all listeners who are ex-JWs will know about this. But JW Facts, great website. You can see there all of the documentation going from way back when, when these magazines and stuff were, were talking about all of this. And actually, what is really clear is that Russell's chronology 
was not that the Christ's presence would come in 1914, but that the end of the world would come in 1914. That's actually what he believed. And in fact, when you look at the magazines, um, on jwfacts.com, there's a great little table there. I'll put the link to this in the show notes, but there's a little table there that says what Watchtower said prior to 1914, and then what Watchtower claims it said prior to 1914. So in the Time is at Hand, which was published in 1911, it says the year AD 1878 clearly marks the time for the actual assuming of power as king of kings by our present spiritual invisible lord. So rather than it being 1914 when he came to power, they thought it was in 1878. Again, down to other time prophecies and interpretations of the same prophecies. But what Watchtower says now is the Watchtower has consistently presented evidence to honest-hearted students of Bible prophecy that Jesus' presence in heavenly kingdom power began in 1914. Well, that is simply not true. Another one. This is really damning. This is what the Zion's Watchtower of 1894 says. But bear in mind that the end of 1914 is not the date for the beginning, but the end of the times of trouble. And what they say later about it is Jehovah's Witnesses pointed to the year 1914, decades in advance, as marking the start of the conclusion of the system of things. So again, these are lies. Um, this is a, a group who have prophesied the end of the world. Um, and these this these are just this is just one example, but they've prophesied it over and over again, and it hasn't happened. And I would like to say at this point. Because, um, you know, it's all it sounds quite um, funny, maybe to someone that's not been involved in it, you know, to hear mm. all of this. But I think the thing that's important to um, remember here, if you weren't part of one of these groups and you're just interested is um, or even just for anyone to consider is that it's it it does have an impact as well. Yeah. So having these beliefs, believing the world will end allows you to exist in a particular way (laughs) that you might not if you didn't believe the world was ending do you know what I mean so you know for instance why get um why seek education the world's Mm -hmm. ending or um you know being okay with the homophobia because you think that you know there's a grand plan and all these things that we stand against like the treatment yep. of women, the homophobia, the endangerment of children. Um, if you think there is a grand plan and it's all mapped out in this amazing, you know, way that your particular group has discovered, it's so much easier to get wrapped up in that fantasy and forget all of these real issues that are actually happening because of your religious beliefs. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. I think it's really important to state that. That's why this belief is is damaging it's not just because it's not real it's because what it allows you to believe off the back of it and what it yeah. allows you to get away with off the back of it yeah um, absolutely and it and it also i think the uh the abuse of power is is relevant here you know mm-hmm. it's it's a way to have power over the people that are sitting there reading this stuff thinking oh you know this organization has the answers and therefore you know if it tells me that i i shouldn't really get married or having children is not a great idea um or even implies that um then uh maybe you know i i really need to do what i'm told in this situation um and and of course the 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 truth is is only coming from this organization as far as they're concerned so when it changes it's just um, new light it's um, it's not uh, that the prophecy has failed it's new light so then you have to ask yourself you know what does the word truth mean you know if it's going to change constantly then then it's no longer the truth it's it's a whole bunch of ideas that you just have to follow as soon as you're told them and then stop believing them as soon as it's time to stop believing them. So this makes you completely a rule taker from the powerful um, men who are in control of this organization. So, yeah, so it's, it's something that I do feel really passionate about and it's, um, 
Yeah, you're absolutely right, Celine. It, it it does also mean that um, you kind of put up with anything because oh, it's only temporary, you know. Um, we laugh or about it will the be made right, you know, exactly, and, and that the, the, the impetus on you is removed as well to do the right absolutely. thing. Absolutely, uh, and the end is so close now. You know what? Why why waste our time with this or that? You know, mm-hmm. the end is so close. It's it's not no longer around the around the corner. It's it, we've we've rounded the corner. We can actually see it now. It's so close. You know? mm-hmm. um, and it's just over and over again. When you look at the older articles again, I would totally recommend looking at the jwfacts.com. Uh, website you can see the same language over and over again there is no doubt it is absolutely clear that Mm -hmm. going on to say something that is not going to happen and didn't happen and we know it didn't happen so yeah it's it's a problem yeah yeah absolutely because they continue to say it in certain ways and yeah so yeah i think i just think it's important sometimes to state that when we're going through the particulars to say the overarching things that are the reasons we make this content. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've never really been, I suppose, too hard hitting with, um, I don't think, with anyone, um, with anyone really. And and so sometimes it, it feels like we, we perhaps let organisations get away with it too much. And I feel quite strongly about this. Mm-hmm. Telling people that they need to do this thing, otherwise they'll die at Armageddon. And that the end is going to come any time now, you know that is that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting there in a an elders and ministerial servants meeting when a circuit overseer said, "You know, we need the brothers to believe that it's coming any day now." So because as soon as they start knowing that, then they start doing other things, secular work and other things. So it needs to be really clear that the end is is coming anytime soon Mm -hmm. now i'm not saying he didn't believe that or he did believe it i don't know what he really believed but i thought that was quite cynical yeah if you're enjoying the podcast you can support it by becoming a patron you can support the podcast for just one pound or a dollar fifty and receive a variety of patreon benefits as a thank you don't forget to share the podcast follow like subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in, or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening, and now back to the podcast. Um, okay, so that's um, that's Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, there's more. There's 1920. There's 1975, which we've talked about before, which um, is isn't quite as blatant, but still was was suggested, and many did believe it. But it's not just Jehovah's Witnesses do that. Do you know what? Have a look on the Wikipedia website. Um, Again, I'll put a link to this. List of dates predicted for apocalyptic events. My goodness. (laughs) I've never seen such a long list. It's unbelievable. I'm just scrolling through it now, and I'm still scrolling, and I'm still scrolling, and I'm still scrolling. There's just absolutely loads and loads and loads. Because I think the simple reason as to why it's a fundamental excuse the pun um ingredient in cultic groups is because it is so motivating mm. <laughs> and it, it yes they need to keep you busy <laughs> and what better way to keep you mm. busy than like the end is nigh so you know it's it's just such a it's such a you know i don't agree with it but it's such a good tool that is used amply <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Um, okay, let's let's list a few others that people will know. Um, of course, the Millerites, from whom Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses really um, ideologically sprung, I think, if not through the organisation. And they thought it was eighteen forty four. So they, um, some of them, sold their stuff, uh, didn't bother planting their crops, um, mm-hmm. waited for the end to come, and guess what? It didn't. 
It didn't come. Um, this is known as the Great Disappointment. So it actually has its own name, <laughs> the Great Disappointment. <laughs> I mean, I love that phrase. It's so understated, isn't it? Um, Adventists in uh, Joseph Wendell thought that it was happening in 1874. Um, Mother Shipton. Do you recognize oh, that? Oh, yeah, you did that with mum. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So we did a, a special when we were on holiday in Yorkshire in in England. Um, it's one of our favourite places. Um, Nairsborough is where Mother Shipton lived and apparently she, she was a prophet or prophetess and she predicted certain things. Um, there was a book that was supposed to be published, written by her which said that in 1862 that the end, the end of the world would happen although that was later found to be a forgery uh, but anyway, people believed it. Um, Dorothy Martin. Now, do you, you won't remember that name because it's not the name that is used in the book. But do you remember how a discussion of Festinger's book, When Prophecy Fails? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of smiling as I say it because I really enjoyed that episode. It was great fun. Yeah. Um, it was funny. In a kind of sad way again, really. So they believe that um, spacemen were going to come down and uh, take rescue them basically mm. and it was all about that of course this is the work that festinger did it was kind of field work where he he got into this group and and there was others that he got in there as well to research um what they what happened within this group it's just absolutely fascinating um a brilliant read um we said before that you know festinger is well respected and you know who am i to knock that but his methods in that particular piece of field work leave a lot to be desired <laughs> he kind of got involved a bit too much with I the am group surprised that that's not been made into a movie you know <laughs> it's a great one isn't it we should make one. We should make a film about that. <laughs> yeah. And just do a short even from one of the instances, yeah. couldn't you? But yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, um, I guess the reason that people, that they, they do so well as well, because we're like, why would cults want to use them? Do you know what I mean? Like, And the answer is obvious because it's a great method of control. It puts a lot of fire under a lot of butts um, and gets people manipulated into doing what you want them to do. Uh, why do people latch on to hmm. end of the world prophecies because it's not ideal is it do you know what i mean like someone comes to your door and they're like do you want to join this group where like you believe the end is coming now or you could carry on living your life where you think everything's fine yeah, so it's you know it's... obviously it's not sold to you like that um but you know why are they so mm. popular with the audience <laughs> Yeah, people are not doing it because they want to believe it, are they? I don't think. No, um, no. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's some morbid, morbid um, interest in like being able to predict the future. There's something. Well, I've got a theory about it, mm -hmm. which I want to I want to put to you um, at the end. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna I'm hold on it. You're hold sort of tantalizingly holding it. <laughs> It's the hook to keep you listening. Yeah, so um, what was interesting about that group, though, the, the Dorothy Martin group, is that they didn't really try to um, recruit people. They weren't interested in getting people involved actually at all, which is, it seems to cut across the idea that they're using this to try and manipulate people. Um, I think in this case, it was more of a belief, a sort of self-delusion that, that seemed to... Um, well, it's the uh, my favourite question. Everybody. Are you yeah. the first member of your own cult? And in some of them, yeah. yes. In some of them, no. Um, I think some of them, I think they, the, the initial leader really does believe it. And some of them, I have a harder time putting See, I, I wouldn't describe, aside. Yeah, I wouldn't describe that as a cult, actually, that group, personally. I know some do, but I don't think it fits the, the description at all. People were quite welcome to come and go as they pleased and there was absolutely no coercion as far as i could see from what i remember it is a couple of years ago since i read it but um it was very relaxed um very different to a later ufo kind of group mm. which we'll come to yeah. um, i wanted to briefly mention the people's temple jim jones of course the uh, awful awful it's at the jonestown yeah probably yeah. the worst um single loss of life from this sort of thing 
He had a well, vision of a in, nuclear in holocaust to come. Yeah, I think the single worst loss of life in a, in a specific instance. Yeah, um, that's right. Again, another thing to mark is we don't have figures on how many people leave groups and, you know, suffer oh, on absolutely. their own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we don't want to forget well, that because right. obviously that's a thing. But in this instance, it was a specific... In one go. Yeah. One go united decision or well united you know supposedly well i think there's a lot of evidence there's a lot of evidence he killed a lot of people actually exactly Uh, um but as in you know a a group Mm. mass situation rather than what you know what i'm talking about when i say people there is a lot of loss of life due to cults now it's just not as easy to (laughs) pinpoint absolutely yeah, and uh, of course we interviewed Hillary um, from the Christian Scientists, or ex-Christian Scientists, and she described that as um, Jim Jones in slow motion, really, um, mm-hmm. because people are dying through lack of medical attention, as far as she's concerned, which I think is really interesting and awful, yeah. often in very painful circumstances. So yeah, it's it's true to say that. Uh, and of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, some Jehovah's Witnesses die because of not having a blood transfusion. So how many of oh, those no. are there? We, we don't really have good data on that. and things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, David Berg is another one. So uh, many of us know about David Berg through the Children of God. We've interviewed two people already from the Children of God, and we're going to be interviewing Daniela Messinek-Jung, um, who's written a wonderful book called Uncultured. Um, so we're actually inter- interviewing her tomorrow from the same group, Children of God. Uh, what I didn't realise was that they do have a very, or did have a apocalyptic um, prophecy. Berg believed that the comet Kahutek would wreak havoc and possible destruction in 1974, which I didn't know. Um, and others actually believed that was going to happen too. Um, there's an Indian guru, Brahma Kumaris, believed in 1976 that, um, well, a number of predictions of global Armageddon. Um, so that was another one. Um, all Basically, everybody was going to die. The rest of humanity would be killed by nuclear or civil wars and natural disasters, which would include the sinking of all other continents except India, which was hmm. handy because that's where he lived. Um, so, <laughs> we could go on and on. We could. Um, I'll... I'll not allow it. Um, <laughs> so, but, um, you know, just in our last, um, few, you know, it would quick, I mean, you could do another hour of just doing that. Mm. So um, I guess we've got two more areas we wanted to go into then. So your reason you think people latch on to the end of the world cults um, or like aspects of cults that have that in them Um and also, we wanted to talk potentially a bit about what might be the end of the, mm. the world. So that, so yeah. maybe, maybe let's do that one first because that one All makes right. me depressed, and then so we can okay. do some philosophical debate okay. to finish. How about that? So, what what about you then? What are the things that you might worry a little bit about that could well, bring the end of the world? Obviously, the big concern is is the climate crisis. Um, yeah. In the, you know every degree we raise um Mm. things flood um you know the world gets less tenable (laughs) as a place for people to live um you know and there are people already facing the effects of that like the floods that happened in pakistan not very long ago um you know rising uh, temperatures have affected Africa a long time ago very quickly and have been making it more difficult to get food and things like that so you know um, yeah I think I think that's quite natural um to yeah. be concerned about that and, and it frustrates me that um governments um are just not not doing enough hold of this really yeah they but, it's so short-sighted it feels a lot mm. like people that are in charge are not thinking about the future because there's politics is so so short-sighted and that's the that's a concern um that we don't consider the future 
Um, That's right. So, yeah. But it's up to us, I think, as as um, voters, and um, certainly in the in in the free world, if you like, where we have that power to make sure that we demand our politicians mm. to take action on this. It's, Just it's, have to throw it's... some more soup. <laughs> And I'm not going to tell you my opinion on it. You can just, <laughs> I'll just want to throw that in there. Um, well, um, you're, you're referring to the throwing of soup over the Van Gogh pieces of um, art stop stuff, oil, yeah, yeah. Mm, right. yeah. But yeah. Uh, this isn't the the time for this. That's the whole thing. No, it'd be interesting yeah. to talk about activism and, and what's mm-hmm. appropriate and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's true though. That it's um, it is very frightening. And um, I, I mean, my view is that I think the powerful nations the nations with money who have always had power and money since the industrial revolution and perhaps even before that um i think deep down they believe that we'll be okay um because we'll find ways of coping with that technologically when it all starts to happen but i think what people are forgetting are the political ramifications of that so as soon as you start to see great swathes of of africa and um, india and so on just being uninhabitable almost then what's going to happen to all those people you know um people are going to move to try and save their lives and uh, the lives of their you families can't just and keep so on. sending everyone to rwanda can you <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> might not be there anymore <laughs> not tenable is the word that we've used a lot today but yeah. yeah it's um it absolutely isn't so mm-hmm. yeah it is however you look at it it's a very serious uh yeah. matter and yeah we need to pressure our governments i think so yeah, yeah. is that a political statement i guess it is but i, I really believe it shouldn't that really be should it i don't yeah. want humans to die it shouldn't no. be a political statement but yeah so when i was growing up it was obviously all the armageddon stuff but also mm. on top of that was nuclear Russia. war and how that intersected <laughs> with desk. it <laughs> yeah. i'll save you videos and um, mm-hmm. cartoons about what to do in the event of a nuclear um, alarm going off i mean um, what to do is yeah. just accept accept it <laughs> getting on well, your desk no, no we it, had some guy visitors at school mm-hmm. to tell us that uh, about what to do and actually you know you can protect yourself from radiation apparently uh, one of the things that you should do is get some masking tape and tape up your windows yeah. Um, and even hay can protect you from radiation. I remember after he'd gone, the teacher looked at us and made some sort of wry comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, is this? Me- it, it, it very much feels like as a um, a film we've reviewed before, the Fight Club bit, when he's showing mm. you like the pictures of the people like falling to their deaths from the aeroplane and he's like calm as hindu cows he's like it's not true <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah yeah as oh, long as you're in the brave that position energy, you'll be fine yeah, yeah exactly. exactly um okay so that was that was a real fear a nuclear war and i mean you know that's still obviously not gone away there's been a an increase in fear over that due to the russian invasion back at of, it again. Uh, of ukraine so that's back it back on our worry <laughs> back list in play. Nice, yeah. nice. um ai ai is an interesting one that um that many people worry about mm. so yeah i think that's a that's an interesting one maybe so we I have say an episode please, on thank that thank you to siri so it'll be fine for me you keep you say nice uh, nice things yeah yeah i use my you. i use my my um you know i talk to siri like they're real in case they are you know <laughs> So the the fear about AI, one of the fears is that they are just, you know, if you got AI that was so competent that, uh, and and if you give it instruction without really good thinking about it, without good thought, you could accidentally, uh, badly tell it to do something that that would not be good. So Nick Bostron is the person that is often quoted on this, and he has this um, little story about paper clips so imagine if you asked an ai to manufacture paper clips if you said right we want we want you to basically be the best paper clip maker you can be um, and somehow the the interpretation of this was that that is all that matters you know just make paper clips because that's basically what oh it's, it's just like fantasia isn't it you know? it absolutely <laughs> is just like fantasia absolutely yeah. i've often thought this that that is a very good analog for the whole question of ai 
So if you haven't um, watched this very specific um, <laughs> Disney classical music with animations over the top, because well, why it's, haven't you? Um, <laughs> it's I mean, it's an older Mickey story than the Disney version, yeah, is, the Mickey Mouse version. Know, but that's the best one. Um, the but, Sorcerer's you know, Apprentice is what exactly. It's just about. yeah, it's that. Yeah. But yeah, it's the idea that you know he has to clean, so he creates mops to do the cleaning that's for right. him, and then they create more mops and more mops and that's more right. mops, and it gets out of control, and he can't stop. Exactly. It. So the paperclip um, AI would realize that in order to create more paperclips, it needs to essentially use all the resources of the planet, including including the ones that humans are using, and then it's going to develop space travel to try and find more resources to make more paperclips so basically you could imagine the whole universe being destroyed by an ai just because it wants to make more paperclips because that's what we've told jokes is though we still don't get how brains work so it's going to be a long old time before we can create it's a really i think this is a subject of another discussion isn't it but yeah that's that is a worry um there was that interesting okay. thing with the brains though where they were getting the neurons to fire yeah. do, you, do you remember that and play mm-hmm. play ping or play pong yeah yeah and they were learning so that's yeah. cool but that's um we'll talk about that then at some point. i think we should talk if about you're interested in how you can use brain cells to like do a bit of ai learning so that was very a weird way of phrasing it but no, it's very. It's an Maybe important question. I think. I think we need to talk about it. Um, okay, quickly. Others. Pandemic, of course. That's a. That's a Ooh, worrying the one. Pandemic. We've, we've experienced that, but the um, the recent COVID pandemic. I think. I think it's something like 05 percent mortality rate. So, relatively low mortality rate. Although, obviously, if you get lots of people getting it, that's why you end up with um, millions. But um, Ebola, which was the one we were worried about a few years before that, was like a 50% mortality rate. So something like that, um, yeah, could be uh, quite terrible. Um, Overpopulation, underpopulation. I'm not as um, worried about that one. I don't know yeah. why it doesn't worry me as much. Because um, I feel like it will just sort of... I don't know. I don't know why I'm not worried about it. It doesn't worry me as much. <laughs> okay, well, let's not just worry doesn't. about that one. Yeah. I'm not going to go into it because that might start worrying you. Um, no, aliens no. is the other one, of course. Aliens. No, not worried about that. <laughs> Though I don't like watching War of the Worlds. I don't, I don't like that. Do you not? It falls into my category of like end of the world movies and i actively dislike those i've always disliked them you know when everyone was watching what was it like 2012 was a, was one and there was like yeah those before you interrupted the... yeah mm. before you interrupted me on the end of the world things i was going to talk about 2012 because that was a mayan calendar that um mm. basically went back to zero again but the other one that i was going to mention was the y2k bug because um yeah, I remember that quite well. themselves about that, didn't they? All I remember about uh, about the millennium is that I got a really cute teddy that had the, the, the year on each of its feet that said 2000 that yeah. apparently I reached out for and wanted and because I'm like, what, four? Oh, that's right. I got to have it because <laughs> I probably looked cute. <laughs> you really did, yeah. Yeah, the, the Y2K thing was, was actually quite interesting because it was uh, an example of when you first invent something, you don't think about the future. So on the timing, this is why you're future-proof lads. You should on the on the, the clocks, <laughs> on the clocks on devices. It just had the last two digits, so, so it was you know, ninety-seven or sixty-seven or whatever, rather than nineteen sixty-seven or nineteen ninety-seven. Mm. So as the year two thousand came up, it would mean it was going to mean that the clocks would go to zero, and no one really understood because obviously for different systems it would probably behave differently but no one really knew how these systems were going to cope when it suddenly went to zero Um, because that basically wouldn't make any sense for the computer answer is it was fine well the answer is that now i think this is a really important lesson that we need to remember Uh, he says wagging his finger which you can't see listeners but i think it's a really important lesson because i often hear this used as an example where oh we shouldn't have worried about it but it's the very fact that we did worry about it 
that we went to lots of computers and we we changed the system so it had four digits instead of just two at the end. It's that that made the difference. It's the fact that we actually did care about it. We went into these systems and we mended it before it happened. Mm. If we hadn't have taken any interest in it, then who knows what would have happened. So it's important we'll to take action. <laughs> you are. We'll never so, yeah. know. We'll never know. Well, well, I think we do know. Okay. I think we do know. Cool. <laughs> All right. So why do we worry about the end of the world then, Celine? You've what's got your, three minutes to give us your... a conclusive philosophical <laughs> reason for it. What's and your then idea? my curry's on. No. <laughs> why do I think we worry about it? Um, yeah. Or why do we latch onto it? Well, I think we always care about our mortality. We're inclined to... You know, a lot of people have children. They want the world to be good and safe for their children. Um, you know, the news is also quite evil now. It just latches on to something and gets everyone quite... It's, mm. you know, the site, The news is 24-7, so it needs to keep having something major to be on all the time, so that probably doesn't help. Um those are my things. Like, okay. like you have something of well, f- more flavour. I think there's a there's a lot of reasons, isn't there? Um, and some of them are big, some of them are small. But I think if you look at it on a very personal, individual level, um, I think it's got something to do with this. So we all have to reckon with the facts that, from our perspective, the world is going to end at some point. And it always reminds me of this scene in Donnie Darko, which is another one about the end of the world, actually. But in it, he says. Uh, this the rabbit character says 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes and 12 seconds. That is when the world will end. Now, there is a very complicated explanation about parallel universes and all of that that, um, that some people explain it with, and apparently that is right. But I, I just take a really simple view of that, is that basically that's when he's going to die. And from the perspective of every individual, the world is going to end. <laughs> it's just that we, it's just us. But from our perspective, that's the end of the world. Yeah, that's and how it, you take it, understanding reality is, is perceiving. If reality is perceiving. Well, it is from us. I mean, that's what I mean. So not, if reality is perceiving, then when you stop perceiving it, it's over. And, well, it is. You know. Whether you go with a, a sort of, fundamentalist constructivism or just a simple from our perspective that's true um i think it works you know it means oblivion from our perspective and and so we try to make sense of it and we struggle to make sense of it part of how we make sense of it is by creating stories uh partly about us continuing after death in some way and that's why religions talk about heaven or like the five people meet in heaven i really enjoyed that's that. right that was it was a very soothing book if that that's, that's it. something that you find stressful because even though it wasn't it's called heaven it didn't feel very biblical and it was quite an interesting yeah. book to read there's loads of ways of thinking about what happens afterwards and but another way to a humanist way to think about life after death is that it's what we leave behind so that could be our children or it could be some work that we've done, some art or just something that we've worked on in our lives, our career or whatever. And I think these these things are a way for us to imagine ourselves living on afterwards. If we get the end of the world, I think it's our fear that even that will be denied to us. So I think that's why it's so powerful. It's because we know we're going to die at some point, but we want to be able to leave something behind and that if the end of the world happens, that's denied us. So that's why I think we think about it a lot. That's why we've got a lot of art. I mean, I was, I tried to list all the films about ends of the world. So maybe that's a good place to sort of finish off on a slightly humorous note. What films can you remember then? Um, we'll give you 10 seconds or 30 seconds to remember as many end of the world films as we can. And I'll have some music going on in the background. Are we doing this now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Over to you. Well done. Well done. Yes. Are you doing one, or is it? I'll oh, go on. I've got. I've got a list here, so it's easy for oh! me. <laughs> um, twenty twelve. Excellent. Yes, that's a good one. Um, the one with the world stood still. 
Oh, the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Planet of the Apes, the new ones. Planet of the Apes, I've got that one. Yeah, great. Yeah, because so that's born of a new world, end of a current. Yeah, um, that's right. Oh, oh, I don't know. Like I said, don't I don't look like up. these ones. Don't, don't look, look up. up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seen that one? Yeah. Um, of course, there's one called Armageddon, which is the Bruce Willis film with the meteorite, which I've never seen because oh. apparently it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, War of the Worlds, we've mentioned that already. Uh, Contagion. What about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? That is a film I've got oh, to watch yeah, again. Yeah. In fact, I've bought the DVD and still not watched it. Um, the 70s version is brilliant. Mm. Doctor Strangelove, or How oh, I Learned to Stop Worrying just About such a weird Stop Worrying movie. and Love the Bomb. Because you watched that when, um, like Christmas, Boxing Day one day. Yeah, so there's lots of there's lots of literature there's lots of stories about it but you know um people have been forecasting the end of the world for a very long time and we're still here so i think that's just good don't worry about it don't worry be happy <laughs> nice well see you next week all right well i enjoyed that little conversation yeah. um i'll talk to you it next was quite week because we don't talk to each other at all obviously only no, for the podcast that's right. yeah to yeah, save all the good yeah. bits <laughs> cool yeah. well thank you very much Celine and nice uh, thank you everybody for listening and uh, see you next time see you soon bye Bye-bye. Cult Hackers is an Evil Sheep production